Bibles, <coughs> if you would, turn to Ephesians 4. I'll begin reading in verse 22 and read on through to verse 24, and we're going to be looking specifically at verse 24 this evening. The Bible says in verse 22 that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, as we have been talking about this, one of the things I share with you in your Christian life, you never want to be going backwards, you want to be moving forward. If I'm going to move forward in my Christian life, then I must know what the Word of God says. And then I have to take those things which I learn, and I have to begin to put them into practice. And so, uh, as we peer into our past, think about how, uh, how far you've come along in your Christian life. I, I remember attitudes, actions, spirits, uh, the way I behaved, things that I would say, places that I would go, things that I would observe, things that I would participate in, and how God has moved me uh, throughout my Christian life and changed the way I think. Uh, I see things and more things through the eyes of Scripture, and I want to do that more and more. Now, am I perfect? No, not at all. I don't believe any of us are, and, uh, but we want to strive to be more conformed to the image of Christ. The only way to do that is to take what we read and apply it to our lives. Uh, I shared with Emily this morning on the way to work, it is so important that Christians read their Bibles. It is so important that Christians read their Bibles. What happens is we're influenced by the world and the ways of thinking of man because we know not what the Scriptures teach. And so we have to be very careful about that and need to know what the Scriptures actually teach us. So in this third step, we talked about the first step of putting off the old man. The second step is to be renewed in your mind. And then this third step is to put on this new man. And so Paul gives us a pattern to be followed here, a life change, if you will, that every Christian should follow. And we should do what these passages actually teach. And so as you look at this, I challenged myself as I was reading it, am I following the biblical pattern to maintain and demonstrate a spiritually changed life? Not just changing or just trying to change some things that I do, but to become spiritually changed. Do you know that in, in and of itself cannot be done by self. It has to be by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that really changes us. And we have to see how maybe how we're living and how that truth that comes from God's Word can change either what we are doing or what we are not doing. And so it causes us to change based on truth. And so the Lord provides the pattern, and we talked about these three. And tonight we're going to get into the subject of actually this third step of put on the new man. Now, a life of change, and I'll share this with you. Uh, first of all, it's out of there, and this is the verse that we're looking at. It requires, it requires effort. A life of change requires effort. If I'm going to change, I have to put something into what I'm doing. Uh, if if I, I want to take off weight, even the program that Miss Kathy offers, it takes effort. You have to do something about it. You can't just say, well, I'll do nothing. I'll just, you know, miraculously take these drops and all of a sudden I'm in perfect shape. That doesn't work that way. There's some effort that has to be put in. Am I right, Miss Kathy? You have to put forth some effort. You have to choose to do something about it. And so one of the things is it takes effort. It takes work. And the Lord gives us the necessary, what I would say, uh, tools, the necessary tools and pattern for change. But you have to cooperate with the Lord to change and then also to maintain change, you have to cooperate with God. You can't just say, well, it's good for a time and then you forget about it or you don't keep it, 
and put it into practice. So if you have a problem area in your life and you're trying to reconcile it according to the scriptures, you want to find out, one, what does the Bible say? <laughs> How do I implement this? And can I even get myself to the place where I have an accountability partner to kind of hold me accountable here for a while, but ultimately we're accountable this way, right? But someone to help me put this thing into practice. And so you say, well, what might that be in your life? I don't know. It's probably different in all of our lives. Each of us have maybe some sin or some sins that, that we continually find ourselves uh, kind of rehearsing again over and over in our life and never have gotten victory over it. And yet God says, here's a pattern to follow to be able to get victory over it. But what does it require? Well, it requires effort. It requires some work. God provides the tools, but then I have to utilize those tools. I simply say this, whenever a man goes to build a house, if he bring his truck and his toolboxes with him, and all the tools are in the back of the truck, and all the lumber's lying on the ground, and he thinks, how in the world am I going to do this? And he opens his toolbox and says, well, there's hammers, there's nails, there's nail guns and all that kind of stuff, but man, I just don't feel like doing this this way. There's got to be a better way. And that's what we do in our Christian life, don't we? We're provided the tools, we're provided what we need, we have all that we need in front of us, and sometimes we just don't want to put forth the effort to make it happen. Uh, my wife uh, decided she wants a light in the dining room. Hmm, there's no light in our dining room. I didn't see this, Chris, when I bought that house either. I should have brought you out to do a home inspection for me before I moved. <laughs> and so I, I went out there and I realized there's no light in our dining room, so we're inviting everybody up for Thanksgiving. And so she says, we need to put this light in here. So she went to Agape. She got this little chandelier, and she brought it home, and she says, I really want to hang this in the dining room. I thought, I can hang it there, but it's not going to light up. <laughs> and so I began to look and figure out how I'm going to run this wire. But you know what it took, Brother Aaron? Effort. I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? And then it required drills, and it required drilling holes, and it required tearing out drywall. It required just different things that just bring so much joy to my life. And so the thing of it is, is I got all that done, and I went in there the other day, and so I've got the wire run now, and so it's running from the ceiling, and it's running over to the switch on the wall and everything. James, you know what I'm talking about. You keep looking at that house going, man, i got to get that roof on, right? <laughs> but at some point, we have to put forth some effort, don't we, to make it happen. So I got this wire in there, so I said yesterday, I told Miss Vicki, I'm going to try to leave a little bit early. I'm going to go home and try to get this done. I got home, and it was a little bit dark, and that was my excuse yesterday for not getting it what? done. I'm sitting there and I said, man, I got to get that thing done before Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> so, but effort, isn't it? It's work. You've got to do something about it. To stand there and stare at it will help you none. To take this verse that Brother Chris just shared with us tonight and to know it but not practice it, and Brother Dustin just challenged us, we'll go back and read the rest of the chapter and find out what and all these things are will be added unto you. What are all those things? And so you have to say, okay, now that I know what all those things are, then how do I put this verse into practice? And the same is true here. You've got to put it into practice. And so when we look at this, it requires effort. It requires the tools that God gave us, and we have to cooperate Him. Before you can put on, though, remember this, you've got to put off some things. Now, there's some things in our lives that need to be put out of our lives. Would you agree? There's some things we need to cast off in our lives. And so I can't decide those for you, but I can tell you this. God will convict your heart about some things that need to go away. Amen? And so if I'm reading his word, guess what he'll reveal to me? Well, you ought not have this in your life. And so he's talking about casting away some things. He's saying get rid of some stuff. 
And so whether that's an attitude or a spirit or uh, some besetting sin in your life, God will reveal it to you through his word. He says, listen, you've got to cast that stuff off. Now here's the wonderful thing about salvation. He forgave us of all of our, what? Sins, right? But I want to ask you this. Are there some that we still practice even in salvation? Just be honest. Are there some we still practice while in salvation? Thank God for 1 John 1, 9. Amen? And, and the thing of it is, is God says, now here's the remedy for that. But if I don't use that remedy to remove those sins and seek out his righteousness so that he may cleanse me of those things, then I'm not putting the word of God into practice. And I lose fellowship with my Savior. Are we on the same page? So you begin to lose fellowship with God and, and you feel like uh, because you're stressed out or all that kind of stuff, you feel like your faith is failing. And what's really failing is um, my faith isn't failing. I'm failing to work my faith. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is I need to see my faith as something that's being put into practice. I'm doing it. And so there's some putting off that has to happen. But between these two steps, I've shared this with you already, there has to be a change of what? <laughs> there has to be a change of what? I have to change my what? I have to change my mind. I have to say God's way is better than the world's way. God's way is better than my way. And so God's way is the way, and that is a change in thinking, isn't it? It's me saying, this is what he said, and therefore I put this into practice. And sometimes when we put some of God's word into practice, it can be inconvenient. It can be uncomfortable. Sometimes it can even create conflict. But I know if I do not do it his way, <laughs> I'm not going to get it done the right way. And so there has to be a change in thinking. So in this putting off process, in between this putting off and putting on, you've got to have a change of heart. You've got to have a change of mind. That, my friends, is cooperating with God, the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit of the Lord, when you pick up the Word of God, reveals to us those things which should or should not be present in our lives, and He reveals that to us, and we make choices, don't we? You know the wonderful thing about being saved? <laughs> we have a choice now. And you say, that's a terrible thing. No, it's a wonderful thing. God has given us a free will, a free volition. He has given us the ability to choose to serve Him. Isn't that wonderful? I couldn't do that prior to my salvation, but now I can. And so he's saying there's still a process here. Now, salvation is a wonderful thing, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But if, if you're going to put on righteousness, if you're going to put on true holiness, that only happens according to truth. Truth is the only thing that's going to change us. Um, and in our society today, we say, well, it's better to tell, tell a small lie to avoid a big truth. I heard somebody say that. It was a politician. That sounds pretty good, right? It's a better to tell a small lie to avoid a big truth. I thought, well, what is that supposed to mean? Right? That means I really am lying to you, and I don't want to tell you the truth. That's really what he said. And so he's saying that I want to tell these little lies to avoid telling the real truth, isn't it? <laughs> and what happens to us is we can get into that mode ourselves, and so what we have to do is we have to do things according to truth. Now, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth, right? So we see in John 17, 17, that the word of God is truth. That is what sanctifies us. He said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. That's what sanctifies us. That's what causes this process to continue on. And so we have to put that into practice. And so, as we think about this, the new man is, first of all, created. And I looked at this several times, and, and, and I got to thinking about this. He says, 
and that you put on the new man, which after God is created. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? God's created this process, hasn't he? God's put this into practice. And so God created, so this practice, this pattern that I'm talking about here, was created by God. So the Lord is the one that makes it happen. And this is his part of setting you aside for his use. He's saying, if you're going to do it my way, I've created a way for this to happen. And so we have to follow his pattern if we're going to do this. And so God created this way. Now, the two areas he created in you. <laughs> Let's go to the first one. Um, let me get this out first. This righteousness is the first thing we're talking about here. And he said, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. So what is righteousness? You know, you look at a word like that and you say, well, what are we talking about here? I define it this way, and probably the best way that I could find to define it is simply this, what is right? That's the first step. But I want you to get a hold of this. It goes a little bit further. This idea is this. It's the act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards. Now, my standards and God's standards are probably different. Would you agree? And so I have to say, what are God's standards and what am I doing to put this into practice? And so the new man's created by God, and righteousness is the act of doing what's in agreement with God's standards. If you were to look at uh, Romans 3.22, he said, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. So there's something about that, isn't there? First of all, I have to be a believer for this to be placed upon me. God's created this situation. We know that Jesus Christ is righteousness, and so he gives that unto us when we believe. And so we're at this position of God says, first of all, salvation occurs, and then we're justified or put in a right standing with God, and then I'm in agreement with God's standards. In other words, to maintain or to look toward that righteousness that he's given unto me or to walk in righteousness, I have to do those things which the Scriptures teach. Now, does it mean that I lose my salvation? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that I open the Word of God and I want to perform the Word of God because God's Word says to do this. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, keep my Word. Keep my Word if you love me. And so I'm saying if we love Jesus Christ and we're going to be created in this righteousness, and he says, he says this new man was created, uh, which after God is created in righteousness. That new man has a different standard, doesn't he? by which he lives. His new standard is God's standard, not his own. It's not the philosophy of the world. It's not my own gut instinct. It is now the standard that God sets forth for me. That's the standard by which I want to live. As I look at this, this is not something uh, I would say we achieve, if you will. It's not something we achieve. It's placed upon us at salvation, but it is then we walk in his righteousness. We walk in his righteousness or live after a life that shows his righteousness. It requires us to walk in righteousness. Let me give you a couple of verses as I share that thought with you. Romans 3, 25 and 26. Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. It comes through salvation. That righteousness comes upon us. And so God, and it says, and he put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. So here's the idea now. We put on Christ. We put off self. Does that make sense? 
We're getting rid of the old man. (laughs) We're thinking different. And in the process of getting saved, I am now saying, okay, what are God's standards? And am I putting them into practice? Because certainly we would want our life to reflect Jesus Christ. Amen? (laughs) And so I'm putting on these things. And so I'm saying, okay, I'm going to take these things in and begin to do these things. So he also speaks of this. True holiness and true holiness. This is created in you by God, and I believe that's that genuine or that authentic, what I would call godliness and faithfulness. He creates this in us. Before Christ, godliness and holiness could not exist in you. Before Christ, godliness and holiness could not exist in this body. The only reason I have it is because I have now received Christ as Savior, God has taken his righteousness and placed it upon me. Now I have a responsibility back to my Savior to live or to walk in righteousness, so to behave in a manner that's well-pleasing to God. By how? By living by his standards, not my own. And he has created me now in righteousness and true holiness. So when I look at this true holiness, we're talking about godliness. Now, as we look at this... Before you can, uh, what we call, put on this new man, there is a putting off and a change in thinking before the Lord creates in you this godliness, if you will. When you get saved, there's something that happens to us in Romans 10, 9. And, and so look, look at this with me, because I, I, I think people miss this sometimes. Turn to Romans chapter 10 real quick. And I want you to look at this verse. Romans chapter 10, look at verse 9 with me. How many of you just know it off by heart? You just know verse 9, right? But look at it with me. When we get saved, part of that salvation is, if you look at verse 9, he said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the, what's the next word? Lord Jesus. Now let me share something with you. There are a lot of people who know Jesus or know his name before they get saved. They know about him. This verse says that now you agree with God that Jesus is now going to become the Lord of your life. He said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth or agree with God, the Lord Jesus. In other words, he's now master of my life. Isn't that interesting? So he becomes the master of my life. So he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, now watch this, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So what I'm doing is I am agreeing with God that based upon his truth, Jesus now has become the Lord and master of my life. If Jesus has now become the Lord and master of my life, then I'm able to put on his righteousness. He puts it on me, and then I have a responsibility then to take and live in righteousness and true holiness. I have to live according to God's standards. You see, I've accepted his free gift, haven't I? But with that free gift, we have to cooperate with God. There's a responsibility in all of that. It doesn't take away your salvation. If you're sincere and you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins and you've trusted him to take your soul to heaven when you die, but most people then may let it just end right there. They may even get baptized but never grow in their Christian faith. And the reason that occurs is because God created us in righteousness and true holiness, something he created, and he wants this to be a put-on system for us things that we allow to enter into our lives, things that we kind of allow it to help us mature and grow in our Christian faith. And so whenever you confess with your mouth, 
You agree with God that Jesus is now the master of your life. When you do that, there's this putting on process. In Colossians 3.10, he said, And have put on the new man, which was renewed, listen to this word now, in knowledge, (laughs) renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Renewed in knowledge, renewed in how you think, what you're thinking. It's a change in thinking. Then he says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. Now listen to me. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. There's a change, isn't there? And so God's saying to you and to me as this new creature, there are some things we still need to cast off. We still need to change our thinking. God has placed on us his righteousness, his holiness. And with that, we have a responsibility back to him to maintain his standards, not our own now. And so it doesn't remove your salvation, but it helps you understand. He said in Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that it like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's a different life we're walking in now. It's a changed life. And it should manifest itself in our actions, our attitude, our behavior, how we think, where we go, the things we participate in, those things that are in this world or in this present world, we have to have some discernment now, and God gives it to us through the Scriptures, and we choose those things that would best glorify God. And really, you can ask yourself that question, if what I'm doing isn't glorifying my Savior, should I be doing this? That's an easy question to ask, isn't it? And so if it does not glorify my Savior, should that be a part of my life? And therefore, I can go to the Scriptures, I can look it up. If there's some besetting sin in my life, because I'm saved doesn't mean that I don't sin, but God gives us an answer. He said if we confess our sins, right? Now, if I agree with God, there's still sins in my life. Isn't that what that says? Because to confess is to what? Agree with God. And so if I confess these sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you understand? And so therefore we're putting on this righteousness. And so we get to this place where we see this, and I believe this all starts with salvation. You can't start this process unless you're born again. It doesn't start in your life unless you're born again. You cannot change yourself unless you're born again. All you have to do is go to Matthew chapter 13 and read. How many of you have read where they go and they sweep and they get rid of all the demons and all that kind of stuff, and how many come back? (laughs) And you're saying to yourself, That is a person trying to do it on their own, apart from God. And so those sometimes come back even stronger than they had before because God was not present in all of that in the removal of those things in his life. So salvation is is that you must be born again. The next step is to be baptized. If you're saved and baptized, the Lord desires for you to be a part of a local body of believers, and then he wants you to do something. He wants you to mature. The biggest difficulty in local New Testament churches today is this is not happening. We're not maturing in our faith. We're still back on the milk when we should be eating the meat. And what happens is that only occurs because we do not feed on this book. This is why it's so important that Christians read their Bible. Because that helps you in your daily walk with Christ Jesus. So when they uh, they are to mature in our faith, that comes by way of reading and studying the Word of God and serving the Lord. How many of you know 2 Peter 3.18? The Bible says, but grow in grace 
and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we're to grow. So when you plant something, Chris, that crop coming up, that's exciting. Looking down those fields and saying, man, these guys are going to be happy, man. They're going to get out there pretty soon. They're going to have a harvest. But do you know if we grow in grace and in knowledge, we'll have a harvest? There's coming a day. And so God says for us as believers to put on the new man, which is created by God in in righteousness and true holiness. That is what we're putting on. We're putting on this thing. Part of that requires responsibility, cooperation with God. Now, for all of those that are mature members, I want you to remember this. Salvation is immediate. Salvation is immediate. When a person prays and trusts Christ as Savior, if they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. When they come to that place, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. It's immediate. Boom. As soon as they get there. But man, (laughs) there's a long road from salvation down this road of what I call sanctification. There's some growing to do, isn't there? And all of us are at different places, different levels in our Christian life. Different places, different levels. And so what it is, is to mature or to grow, you have to be in the Word of God. Now, I want to challenge you with this. The first thing is, are you cooperating with God? You say, preacher, how do you do that? (laughs) Well, the other day I was uh, at a... a, uh, gas station, and um, it was uh, Brother, Aaron, or Brother uh, Dustin and I were together, and you went in to get something. He said he had to have a snack. I don't know what that's all about, Emily. I don't know that story, man. I think he took your Snickers money. So, but he said, I've got to go in and get a snack. So he went in, and I was standing there. I was talking to a lady, and while I was filling the tank up, I said, man, isn't this crazy? How, how many of you get crazy with the way gas goes up and down? Does that drive you nuts? And, and then I drive around. I probably burn a half a tank of fuel trying to figure out who's got the best price sometimes. So my son says, no, there's an app. I was like, there's an app? Yeah. So if I go to Dayton, I can get it for $2.19 a gallon at this speedway down there, right? So I'll run down there and get it for $2.19 and drive all the way back up, right? So the idea is, is that uh, he goes in. He's getting something. In the marathon, I was standing there. The lady was standing there. And a conversation ensued, and immediately, God said, give her a track. Now, you say, are you talking to God at gas stations? Yes, all the time. I talk to him all the time. So people really think I'm nuts. And so I'm standing there, and it was just my heart got pricked. Has that ever happened to you? Like, do this? And I said, okay. And I was like, man, Dustin said, he put all these tracks in my car. He goes, Pastor, every time... You're empty. You always, I give them away all the time. I put, I put them everywhere. I run out fast. So I was like, man, what do I do with them tracks? I'm going like this, patting myself down. I open the car door, and as I'm opening the car door, she drives away. Man, I was sad. I told Dustin about it when he came out, but I had him right here in my shirt pocket the whole time. Isn't that crazy? And, and, and the thing of it is, is that how many of you cooperate with God? Now, I'm just giving you an example now, I was trying to cooperate with God, but I was dumb. I just forgot I'd put him in my top pocket here. But how many times does God prick your heart about something or gives you a thought or, 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 or says, you know, hey, you need to consider this or your attitude or your spirit or your actions or, hey, I want you to do this. Or, you know, and the Lord is communicating to you through his word, through the spirit of the Lord. He lets you know things and we ignore him. 
And you know what it requires for us to do to cooperate with God? Restraining the flesh. We've got <laughs> to stop the flesh from doing what it wants to do. Amen? The flesh sometimes wants to get angry, does it not? It wants to flare up, am I right? Flesh wants to get, <laughs> I'm right, they're wrong, and I'm going to straighten this out, and the flesh wants to take over, but God wants us to restrain the what? Flesh, doesn't he? He doesn't want it to take us over. Uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If I'm just going to be an angry Christian, that's not going to abound any grace, is it? I'm just going to keep continuing in sin. And so God desires for us, and he tells us, if you go read Romans chapter 6, God is very clear that these members that we now possess are supposed to be for righteousness and not unrighteousness. So all the part of us is supposed to be that. So one of the things we have to do is we restrain the flesh. How do you do that? You have to do it through the Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You have to, ha you have to ask God the Holy Spirit to help you restrain your flesh. Now, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit resides where? In me. So I can talk to God and say, Lord, help me in this area of my life because I'm having a difficult time restraining my flesh. And then you tie what either you're doing or not doing to what the Scriptures teach, and it will help you to restrain your flesh. And so if, if uh, uh, men, you're looking at women that are, that are not yours, and the Bible says you're not your own, you've been bought with a what? Price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. It should cause you to say, I'm not going to look on another woman. It should cause you to do that. Are you with me? The Spirit is there, and you have to say, Spirit, help my mind. Help my heart. Help me not to, you know what I mean? Put, put some guards on my eyes. Protect me. Save me from even having to take that first notice, even. And you have to ask God to help you with that. Now, ladies, if you're gossiping and you're talking to each other, and believe me, gossip doesn't have to be something false. Gossip can be true, but you're gossiping. <laughs> and you say, well, man, what do I do about that? You ask God to help you. And you find out, what do the Scriptures teach about being a busybody? And you say, okay, what does the Bible say about being a busybody? What does the Bible say about going around and getting yourself busy in other men's matters? What does the Bible have to say about that? And if that is what I am doing... I need God to help me because I don't want to be identified with this. By the way, if you go in and read in Peter, he throws the busybodies in with the murderers. I'm like, woof. I mean, he just lumps them right in there. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't want to be in that category. So you want to restrain the flesh. You have to ask the Spirit to help. So I share that with you. And then what does it take? Well, if I'm going to restrain the flesh, I need to have the renewing of the what? Mind. I have to know what God says so that I can change my thinking. <laughs> if I'm going to restrain the flesh, I need to know what God says so that I can change my thinking. And then lastly this. I'm going to re renew my mind, and I do that through the Word of God. I restrain the flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit within me. I renew my mind by the Word of God. And then lastly, this begins to happen. I'm able to begin reflecting Christ by the life and lifestyle that I lead. I demonstrate Christ to other people. So I want to challenge you in these three areas, just these three verses. The Bible says put off, be renewed, and put on. And so I want to challenge you